Hello, and welcome to the BTG Podcast. I am your host, Jen Fable of BTG Wellness and LiveLifeUnbroken.com. BTG stands for Bridge the Gap, and it is inspired by my own healing journey. After receiving seven different mental health diagnoses by the age of 19, I quickly realized that there was a massive gap between what I believed and understood in my head and what I truly felt in my heart. And no matter how many therapists I went to, I couldn't seem to bridge that gap until I found the tools and information that I share in my one-on-one private sessions, trainings, and right here on this podcast. My goal is to help you begin to bridge that gap by bringing you different topics related to mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. And in case you didn't know, this podcast is recorded live during my weekly Zoom virtual healing circles. These are weekly virtual gatherings that are 100% free, and no RSVP is required. So you are welcome to come whenever you can and stay as long as you want. Each week, we open the space with a candle meditation, after which I will share with you my favorite grounding practices and lead you through a circle casting, guided meditation and breath work, followed by a soul-inspiring gratitude practice. If you are interested in learning more about how you can continue your journey and experience my virtual healing circles in real time, please visit www.btgwellness.com circle and join my free circle membership. Of course, if you like what you hear in today's episode, please remember to leave a review and share the love by sharing this episode with your friends, family, and social network. And as always, if you have any questions, please know you can always reach out to me through my website at www.btgwellness.com or through email or social media. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Virtual Healing Circle with me, Jen Fable of BTG Wellness and LiveLifeUnbroken.com. And tonight, we're going to talk about the Kabbalistic Tree of Life. This is part three. We're getting a little deeper into this amazing and wonderful symbol. If you are new to the podcast, you are welcome to go back and pick up the information in the other parts one and two, because everything builds on each other. And tonight, we're going to talk about the Sephira that start to move inside our tangible reality. I'm really excited about that. So that's my job tonight. So why is this important? This is important because this glyph, this symbol, the Kabbalistic tree of life, contains immense amounts of wisdom that is designed to help you find greater balance on your healing path. There are a lot of maps that you can use to help you on your spiritual journey. All of them are wonderful. All of them are valid. I have yet to find one that contains the amount of wisdom that the Kabbalistic tree of life contains. This is important because learning how to tap into the power of this symbol can add some serious depth to your meditation practice and to your healing journey in general. And this is important because knowing where you are on the path helps you know what you need to adjust to bring you back to balance. Everyone yaps about shadow work and I need to find balance, but what? What do you need to balance? Where do you need to focus? Knowing you need to be in balance, knowing that you need to do shadow work, and knowing exactly which part of the shadow you need to work on can be really helpful. So we've talked in the last two circles about this Kabbalistic tree of life, which, as you will remember, is a beautiful, wonderful, powerful symbol that is embedded in the flower of life, which is a sacred geometry shape. 
The Kabbalistic tree of life describes a system of divine energy that moves the energy from the quantum field of potential, from the divine, from what is known as the Ein Sof, the infinite potential beyond, in through us and into our physical reality. Now, the Kabbalistic tree of life can be mapped onto the human body, but it also is a path for our life path in general, for our soul's evolution, for society's evolution, for individual communities' evolution. When I say this is multidimensional, I'm being quite serious. It works on all levels of reality. And since the flower of life continues on infinitely, every Kabbalistic tree of life moves and flows in from one into the other. The Kabbalistic Tree of Life contains 10 spheres. They're called Sephirot, or Sephira, if you're talking about just one. And these represent the spiritual principles or divine emanations. A lot of people talk about this idea that we were made in the divine's image. What does that mean? These are said to be the 10 attributes of the divine. And when we embody these attributes in our life, then we are becoming the image of the divine in our physical reality. Each sephira is connected to a specific color and planet and element. They're connected to astrological signs, tarot cards, the masculine, divine, feminine, chakra, body parts. So there is an incredible amount of wisdom contained in this symbol. And as I've explained before, I am giving you but the scratchiest of surfaces of the surface of this information because this truly is a lifelong journey. Even those who have been studying the Kabbalistic tree of life for their entire life will tell you that they are still beginners in the process because that's how much wisdom is contained in it. Now, in the past circles, we've talked about a lot of the Sephira already. You're welcome to go back and get a recap of that. So we talked about Keter. That's the crown. That is the highest we can go without having to be dead. That is the energy that is beyond, but that is accessible to us. It is that first spark, that inspiration, that idea that comes to us from this field of potential and boinks into our own existence. The first place that energy then goes is to chokmah or shokmah, which is wisdom. This is all about that thought, that first idea. From there, we have to go deeper and get an understanding of it. And that balance of wisdom and understanding is what creates true knowledge. When we've unlocked that knowledge, then Keter becomes reflected into what is called Da'at. Da'at is the abyss. It is the hidden Sephira. It is kind of like if you're playing Super Mario Brothers. It's the level that doesn't get unlocked until you find the golden whatever. I don't play video games. But it's, an, it's a level that has to be unlocked, and it cannot be unlocked until you have balanced wisdom and understanding, left brain and right brain, masculine and feminine. When that happens, then Ketra gets reflected inside of us as Da'at. It becomes knowledge of self. From the place of knowledge of self, we can then experience mercy and severity. That's Chesed and Geburah. And when those are balanced, that creates true beauty, which exists in the heart center of the human body. That is all about the expansion of who we are. So now we're going to go a little deeper. So the top three Sephira. The Keter, Chokmah, and Bina are called the supernal triangle. The middle ones was the ethical or the moral triangle. And the astral triangle is the one that encompasses the bottom three Sifirot. This is what defines our ability to receive. Now, these three Sephira are considered to be tactical, as their purpose is not really inherent in themselves, but it's more of a means to an end. Whereas the supernal and the ethical triangles were all about the divine, universal, intrinsic will, 
The Astral Triangle is focused more on the individual, more on how to pull that divine inspiration, pull that kindness and that justice down into our physical reality and start to move that energy and channel it. What is the most appropriate way for an individual to receive the guidance and wisdom from the universe? How can your own divinity and your own purpose be expressed? In other words, how do you want to show up in the world? That's what the Astral Triangle is all about. The Astral Triangle is made up of three sephirot. The first one is Nitzak, which stands for victory. And I've explained in the past that Nitzak being a Hebrew word, when translated to English, doesn't quite translate literally. It embodies so much more than just victory. It's about eternity. It's about perpetuity. It's about endurance. It is that force, that raw power to create. Nitzak is all about pushing through all the obstacles that stand in your way and getting what you want, damn it. It is fortitude, it is persistence to follow your passions and be victorious no matter what gets in your way. It is kind of like, I'm going to use a sports metaphor and I'm going to mess it up terribly. I'm going to do this because it's the only one that pops into my head. Apologies to all of you football fans. In football, the dude whose job it is just to plow through everyone. Was it quarterback, I think? Is that I don't know. I don't know sports. But the person whose job it is to plow through everyone at all costs just to get there and not let anything stop them no matter what, that's Natsuk. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. You keep moving forward. It's associated with your emotions and passion. It's also associated with music and dancing. It takes the beauty of the heart that is found in Tepereth. And it calls on us to move forward and take action so we can be victorious. Now, in Itzhak, we perceive things through intuition. So while it's all about that force, it is being driven by our passion, by our intuitive self, by our knowledge that this is what I want and I'm going to go after it. Now, on the other side of the tree, we have Hud, which is the balancing point of Itzhak. Hud translates to splendor, but again, being in Hebrew, it embodies so much more than that. It's about awe. It's about wonder and majesty and glory and surrender. It's this awareness that there is something that is greater than ourselves. Whereas Nitzak is the force, Hud is the form. It's associated with the ability to surrender, to allow the obstacles to move us versus trying to push through them and conquer them, which is Nitzak. It's associated with intellectuality. It's associated with learning and ritual. Hud is actually considered to be the sphere of magic because it is where you take the idea and it is imposed by will and intellect to create something. You are using your free will to make something, but to allow it to manifest for you versus knocking everything down to get there. Now, in our own journeys, a lot of us will have a hard time in this balance point. We will get that idea. We will bring it into our reality. We will want to go forward with it. And we think that our job is to push constantly, no matter what. HUD is all about knowing that there's more than just us, that we can embody the wonder and glory of the universe and allow it to surprise us that the universe is allowed to show up for us just as much as we show up for it. When we balance Nitzak, when we with Hud, when we balance pushing forward through obstacles with a balance of surrender, then we can access Yesod, which is the ninth Sephira. And it is all about foundation. It is what harmonizes and balances Nitzak and Hud. It acts as a channel through which Malkuth, which is the tenth Sephira, which we haven't talked about yet, that's next time, 
It makes sure that the physical reality is receiving the proper measure of light and life force. It is said to be the reflection of Da'at. So Da'at, that hidden Sephira, was the reflection of Keter, of ultimate knowledge, with knowledge of self. Da'at is what was hidden. And once we move forward with a balance of force and surrender, then Da'at gets transformed and reveals itself as actually being Yasud. Yasud is the bridge between beauty, Tefereth, and Makuth, which is the kingdom, which is physical reality. So it's a connecting point. Think of it like if you have a shower head and some of the little holes on the end of it are open and some are clogged with all the crud that ends up in shower heads. So all the water is coming down into it, but some of them are clogged. And if you've ever had one that's half clogged, it goes wonky and shoots you in the eye. <laughs> when Nitsak and Hud are not balanced, then the water shoots us in the eye and we don't get Yasub, we don't get a foundation. And therefore we can't pull anything down into reality. The tree of life is all about manifesting, pulling heaven down onto earth, pulling divinity into our human experience. And we can't do that if we're go, 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 go all the time, or if we're just too passive and we're full surrender and we don't take any action. So in Nitzak, we do everything we can to make it happen. In HUD, we make vision boards and sit there and wait for it to manifest. But we need to do a balance of both in order to have a foundation, in order to have that water come out where it's supposed to go, which is through Yasud down into Malkuth. Now we talked about this most efficient path of manifestation. It's known as the path of the flaming sword. There are 22 paths on the Kabbalistic tree of life and all of them are valid. And you are absolutely welcome to go down one side, down the other, crisscross back and forth. And if you want to pull something from the world of quantum potential down into your physical reality in the most efficient way possible, then this is the path you want to follow. You'll notice it doesn't go down the middle. A lot of us think that balance means staying in the middle and not exploring the opposite sides. With the Kabbalistic Tree of Life, you can only manifest when you have explored both. You can't unlock the balance until you know the left and the right of it the dark and the light of it, the up and the down of it, which is why spiritual bypassing is such a problem. When you stay in the land of love and light, you don't get to explore the polarities and therefore you cannot bring heaven down onto earth. Knowing how to manifest means knowing how to find a balance between that fire of determination with the faith of surrender. And that's what Nitzach and Hud and Yasad are all about. Now, I'm going to get a little biblical for a moment because the Kabbalistic tree of life is actually said to be the original story of creation found in the Bible. When you look at Yasud, it is said to be the place where we become aware of the divinity within us. And in the story of creation, it talks about how on the sixth day, the animal kingdom was created. And both the animals and man were told, be fruitful and multiply, which often people think means sex. It also means to use the divine's benevolent kindness to grow and expand in God consciousness. Again, bringing heaven down onto earth. Now, whereas both animals and man were told to be fruitful and multiply, man was given one additional duty. Man was told to be fruitful, multiply, and rule over the animals and the birds and the fish. Many people think this means that we are meant to do with them as we will, even if that means cruelty. 
But that's not what the original intention was, according to the Kabbalistic tree of life. What it means is we are meant to be over and above them, not among them. We are meant to transcend the limited nature of Malkuth, of the kingdom, which again we're going to talk about next time, to transcend the part of us which is simply natural, transcend the part of us that is purely animalistic, and become the divine image in which we were created. The drive to do this is powered by Yisad. Yisad is said to be that reflection of Keter, of Da'at, within us. It is what allows us to know in our humanity that there is something more than us. There is that awe and splendor of Hud. There's that fire of determination of Nitzak that creates a foundation for us to connect with divinity. So this is a place where we start to know the divine inside of us. So some key concepts to remember. Remember that knowing how to balance persistence with patience is key to any growth and healing journey, whether you like it or not. Remember that without this balance, the energy flow into Malkuth, which is your physical reality, is going to be too intense or too diminished, or it's going to be wonky and flow off and hit you in the eye. Valid option. Wouldn't recommend it. And remember that learning the art of surrender is key to bringing heaven down onto earth. So if you're still running stories and programs at the unconscious level that surrender means weakness or obeying, then you found the part of your shadow self that you're ready to heal. And as always, I want to remind you to decide you want it more than you're afraid of it. A lot of us don't like the idea of surrender, or we don't like the idea of pushing through. And until we have learned how to balance these two energy forces, we cannot direct it and channel it into our life. In other words, we're putting all this water into a bucket that's full of holes. And that's no fun. And it can be scary to know that you have the power to bring it into balance. So just decide you want it more than you're afraid of it. And that's always the decision that will take you to the next step. And of course, if you have any questions about anything from tonight's circle or podcast, you're always welcome to reach out to me through any of my websites, either btgwellness.com or my coaching website, livelifeunbroken.com, or through email or through social media. So basically, even if you didn't know about the, the tree and you're living your life, you could technically fall on these spots within your life as you're yes. kind of going through your, your humanity and your lifespan, right? Yes. So the Kabbalistic tree of life describes your lifespan from like birth to death. It also it describes your soul's journey from like soul's creation to soul's whatever. It describes the universe as a whole. It describes your body personally in every given moment. So that's what I mean by it's multidimensional. Um, and yes, on our path, we are meant to walk through all of them. And we often do, but we tend to, the fastest path of manifestation is to go from one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Most of us, when we manifest, go one, two, two, one, one, three, seven, two, two, one, <laughs> nine. We kind of plinko our way back and forth, or we'll get stuck in one and don't know how to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And so we'll often find that um, people who are like, I made the vision board and I did all this stuff, but it's still not happening. That's an indication that you have missed some Sephira. I need to go back and pick up some skills, resources, and mindsets. Mm. Okay. So yeah, if, if you find that there's one where you're like, oh, I suck at that, 
great. Now you found a place to go do some healing. That's what I mean by this is really helpful for shadow work. There's a lot of times like, well, I know I need to do shadow work, but what? So now if you're looking at the tree of life, you're like, oh, I'm really bad at surrender. Mm. Right? I need to be better at I'm really good at like go, 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 go fire, but I'm not really good at just allowing it to be. I'm always like, I made the vision board. Where is it? Is it here yet? Is it here yet? Is it here yet? Is it here yet? Versus just trusting that the universe has its own divine timing. So if you've identified that that's where you need to work, then then you can go look and get the skill sets, the resources. What do I need to heal in myself to allow me to surrender? Maybe somewhere I believe that surrender means giving up control and giving up who I am. And so I need to heal that. That's all encompassed in the healing of HUD. So it's a lot involved in it, and it can give you some really good idea about where that next step is or where you might get have gotten stuck or in like a feedback loop on the tree. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Yeah. How do you know which one you missed? Yeah. Well, and again, yeah, it's... Um, kind of explain it. Yeah. And when you're done, you're dead. So you can have, you can be really good at surrender in one area of your life and another area of your life, you still have to work on it. Yeah. Right. So you might be like, well, in my relationship, I'm really good at surrender, but in my job, I suck at it. And so in my job, I'm not manifesting as much as I want, but in my relationship, I'm doing a good job or vice versa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I found that working with the tree of life and having it as a map allows me to have an actual real time feedback tool that I can literally overlay into my meditation practice so I can work on it on the energetic level. I can work on it on the emotional level. I can work on it and understand it mentally. And I can start to experience it physically in my body since it maps onto the body. And because it contains more, like, I love the chakra system. I talk a lot about it in my retreats. I find it very helpful to know how to move energy and reach it up. And I find that it doesn't give me enough information. If I know that my heart center, okay, your heart chakra needs some balance. Great. What does that mean? Well, in the Kabbalistic tree of life, the heart center is Tefereth. That's beauty. And it's a balance of mercy and kindness with justice and judgment. So if I know I need to heal my heart chakra, I'm not just looking there. I'm looking at the other Sephira, the left and the right of it, the dark and the light of it. So I'm learning how to balance it. And when those are in balance, that's what opens up the heart center. So I find that the Kabbalist Retreat of Life just gives a lot more information for how to bring balance versus some other systems. Thank you again for joining me for this episode of the BTG podcast, which stands for Bridge the Gap, with me, Jen Fable. Remember, if you want to experience my virtual healing circles in real time, visit www.btgwellness.com slash circle. And of course, if you have any questions at any time, please know you're always welcome to reach out to me through social media or through my websites at btgwellness.com or through my coaching website, livelifeunbroken.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.